I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Our guest today is Karen Chaston. And Karen is an amazing gal doing some extraordinary things. And I say this with sincere, heartfelt um, admiration because when I think of the word grit or gumption, I think this really personifies what Karen has been able to do. So how are you, Karen, saying hi today? (laughs) Thank you so much, Carrie. That was so nice. You know, life serves us up a whole lot of unexpected change, doesn't it? And so we're going to talk about how you've been able to thrive when you've had massive change hit you out of the blue with nothing. And there are others around us in our families, in our friendship groups, with the people that we know through our workplace, across the globe, that this is happening nearly every second of the day. And, um, And it's not to demean what you've gone through. It's to say that as humans, we um, have the capacity to be pretty incredible considering what gets dished up for us. So I I can see you nodding your head. So Karen, tell us what puts a smile on that beautiful face of yours every morning. How do you get, how do you bounce out of bed these days? Ah, thank you. I do bounce out of bed. Um, And why wouldn't I? I've got so many exciting things to do each day. And that's what happens when you're living life on purpose and you're loving life and you just jump out of bed excited about what happened. But you're so right, Carrie, uh, Carrie, in, in the fact that we're never taught how to move beyond loss. We're taught how to love. We're taught, we're shown how to love, hopefully by, you know, our parents, our loved ones, everyone around us, you know, our mentors, our teachers. But we're never really taught what to do when loss comes to visit. And I feel that we're on an infinite journey that takes us from love to loss and then back to love. But so many of us get stuck in that loss because we're in overwhelm, we're in isolation, we're in avoidance and we really don't know what our next step forward is and people don't know how to help us. They're saying things like, what's wrong with you? Get back to normal. You know, all you've done is lost your job or all that's happened is, you know, your pet has died. What's wrong with you? Move on. But people don't understand that loss is here to assist us to maybe get back onto track, to move us into our next pivotal stage. Loss is change. And there are over 40 different loss events that are going to come to all of us. So that's why I love what I do because I love to help people to move beyond loss and to create their better everyday life. That's a phenomenal phenomenal statistic that you've just thrown in there. Yeah. Now, if you're listening to this, 
Karen has a has an interesting background as well. So we're going to, as always, we dip into who we were and now who we are becoming. Um, and I love that notion because thriving isn't easy in life and work. And, um, you know, Karen's expertise started out with her CPA status and being a chief financial officer for a publicly listed company. And she was a senior manager for over 25 years. However, an event, an event occurred in July 2011. And I'll get you to tell us what happened that actually changed your world for you, Karen. Yeah. Well, it did change my world, but it took me 15 months after that. But let's talk about the event first. Mm. So um, it was a Sunday morning and my husband and I woke thinking we were going to have a lazy day at home. But within moments, my husband was screaming up the stairs, bloody hell, Dan is asleep at our back door. Now, Dan, our 27-year-old son, um, had gone out the night before. We thought a healthy 27-year-old had gone out the night before. And he had come home and he had definitely drank way too much. And when he bent down to pick up his keys, he fell over because he'd left his key and he rang his girlfriend and he said, I haven't got my key. Can you just leave a key out for me? I don't know why she just didn't leave the back door open. But anyway... As he bent down, he fell over, everything shook up. And when we found him, he was lying there in the feeder position with saliva coming out of his mouth. So we thought he was unconscious. But the paramedics arrived very, very quickly and they just took one look at him and they just turned to me and they said those words that no parent ever wants to hear. I'm sorry, madam, he is dead probably has been for several hours. Now, what does one do with that? Like, what, what do you do with those words? Like, you know, you never expect to hear them, you never want to hear them. And me, being me, I followed the age-old advice. The day after his funeral, I went straight back to work, eating more, drinking more, and working even harder because that's what you do. Just keep busy. Give it time. Everything will be all right. Everything will go back to normal. And I don't know about you, but I think after the past two years, what is normal? There is no such thing as normal. No normal. No. no there's no. no normal. Those words will you will remember word for word for the rest of your life. Um, thank you for thank you for sharing that with us. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it, what we all come up with when we hear these stories and we think of things to say. And I learnt many years ago, actually, to wait and let the silence help you yes. before you add a platitude or yes. something that you think sounds okay to say, but it won't be that way for the person receiving that information or receiving oh my that. god that is such wise wisdom well done because people just say the rhetoric i'm sorry for your loss or i'm sorry that happened to you or and it's it's they're actually saying it to make themselves feel better so you are so right mm. in waiting for that silence and most people, when they tell you their story of loss, whatever the loss was, yeah. and it's 
it's not they they're not telling you for you to respond and to comfort them they're telling you so that it makes it easier for them yeah yeah and I often think you're better off not saying anything but if you if you can make contact eye contact and it's the look often the look or the way you you nod your head or yeah you acknowledge it that is far more powerful yes then stumbling over and going oh actually I don't know what to say it is and and actually I was on a podcast a couple of years ago it was before it was in 2020 before we went into the pandemic I think it was in January and he the guy was he was in the UK and he said to me Karen can you tell me what to say my you know he was in his late 20s and he said my mates and I were all at a funeral one of our school friends had committed suicide and we were all at the funeral and we were all in a huddle going, what do we say to his parents? Like, we've known them for so long. What do we say? And he said, and some of us went up and just stumbled and said, oh, you know, he was a great mate, you know, sorry and all that. And he said, can you tell me what to say? And I'll say, yeah. I say, the best thing to say is to walk up to them and say, I don't know what to say. I don't know what you're going through. I have no idea but I would love to be here for you. I'm a really good listener. I would love for you to tell me the best way that I can assist you at this time. And then you just say nothing. You truly listen because people just want to talk. Mm -hmm. And the longer it goes on, a lot of the time, a lot of people are scared to bring up that person's name or, you know, if, even if it's a divorce, they're scared to bring up the ex's name because of the way people will feel. But people want to know. Like I talk about Dan all the time. <laughs> I spend more time with Dan than I do with his siblings. And he's always with me. He's guiding me. He's the co-founder of the Chaston Centre. That's how much he has guided me since, you know, in his 10 and a half years since he's been on the other realm. And he's um, he's a lot funnier and he's a lot sort of smarter than what he was in this realm, <laughs> which, you know, is something for us all to look forward to. So, yeah, it's really important. And I'm so glad that you realised that because not many people do. They say things to comfort themselves. And a lot of the time the person who they've said it to ends up comforting them, which is yes. quite ridiculous. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it, it's um, I'm I'm strong enough. I'll, I'll, I I can actually comfort you. I can see that you're having a hard time. Yeah, and you know it that outer shell comes out and protects you. It's a bit like being a an ninja turtle when they they all yes. you know gear up. Um, kids, yeah. I often are interested when you hear children talking about it because mm-hmm. they often can give you some absolute gems um, in their innocence. Yes. It's, it's a genuineness. They're authentic and often we don't know how to, to do that. Oh, we have so much to learn from our children. I have the pleasure of having three grandchildren around me um, <laughs> and the eldest will be three in May. And, oh. oh, my God, I am learning so much from them. They are such a gem. The way, Just watching them, the way they move through their emotions, their emotions are doing exactly what they're meant to do. Energy in motion, emotion. Whereas as adults, we let the, we get them stuck, we drown them, we do so much thing without just allowing them to flow in and out, to grab the message from them. And it's so beautiful to, to learn from children. 
And so often people are like, be quiet, sit down, don't talk. And it's like, no, let them. You will learn so much. That, that was the childhood we all experienced. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And look, the, well, I want to go back um, to what happened. So the 15, 15 months later, yes. you you were redundant from your CFO role. Yeah, I chose redundancy, yeah. um, which which was, oh, it was the greatest gift they ever could have given to me. So the company I was working with was merging with another. And during that merger process, and it did take a lot longer than they expected, they said to me, Karen, you will not be CFO in the new company, but you'll be doing everything you're doing now plus more. We really want you to come with us. And I just went, oh, okay. Plus more. Yeah, plus more, you know, sort of thing. It's like as if I'm, you know, not working enough already, but that's okay. Um, but I knew but the new company would have more money and I knew there'd be better systems, which I'd been fighting for for a long time. Um, so that was in itself was a, a good sort of draw for me to go with them. And then I got my contract and I opened it up and I looked at the salary and, they, and I said, oh, this is two-thirds of what I'm earning now. I can't do this job part-time. And they went, we don't appreciate your sense of humour, Karen. That is the salary because we have, you know, put it out in the marketplace and that's what it's worth with what you'll be doing. And I got angry. I thought, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. I was even told that everyone in the new company, we were all going, we are all winding back the clock and going back to day one. So everything we had done for the last five years that I'd worked with them meant nothing. It was like I was a new employee. And I'm like, I'm not sure how that happens, but anyway. Mm. So I was angry for 48 hours. And then I started to what I call wake from my Groundhog Day days. Yeah. I started to realise, oh, my God, I'm only there for the money. I had never realised that. And I thought, and you're wasting most of it just to get through the day. You are stressed. You are unhealthy. Your relationships all require some work. Yeah. You, you know, even your relationship with you really does. When are you going to start to really love who you are? So that's why I say it was the greatest gift they ever gave me mm. because I very quickly looked out, made sure I was going to get redundancy when I said no to them, and then I did. And it was the best thing they ever did to me. And it was I had a contract where we had to give six months' notice either party. And I did the right thing. I wrote, I worked five of those six months. I should have made them walk me out like they did with other people who they had only had a one-month contract. But anyway, I lived by my values. But... In that time, my former boss, whenever we'd pass each other, he would divert his eyes and he wouldn't look at me. So I called a meeting with him and I said, it's got to stop. I said, I am so happy that what has happened has happened. He says, I didn't fight for you. I said, you weren't meant ah. to fight for me. I said, everything is fine. This is exactly where I'm meant to be. And the funny thing is, his name was also Dan. Oh, wow. I know. I oh, know. Wow. And he came to Dan's funeral. Um, actually, to be quite honest, my, my work paid for his wake. That's how, that's how valued I was, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was really quite interesting. And then, you know, a little while later, it's like, no, 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 we're all winding back the clock. But anyway, he came to Dan's funeral. And at Dan's funeral, everyone was given like a little, a little picture of Dan. 
And I had it in my coat. I still got it in my coat that I wore that day. But he said to me, probably a year after Dan passed, he said, I put that little picture on my side thing, you know, when I came home that, that night and I had it there. And he says, and the other day I thought, oh, it's time for you to go, Dan. And he said, and he picked it up and he said, and he put it back down and he goes, no, it wasn't. So he had him there for nearly two years, he told me. See, I think what you, thank you for, for, for sharing that. Um, I haven't shared that with anyone for a long time. Oh, <laughs> see, you made me, when you were telling me that, um, with, especially with his behaviour, his eyes averted down yes. when he was passing you, when you think about big organisations and how invested we are in the role and how we, we get particular awards for our contribution, we, we have our friendship, the relationships that work and that sense of loyalty and trust for each other, when that starts to slip away, because there's there's a new there's a you know change management coming in there's a new cycle there's a takeover whatever yeah the dilemmas people face mm -hmm. where you know they go am I living my values do I actually is this how I want to work with the people I have worked with for so long now you know when he said to you I didn't fight for you mm. he he had internalized that yeah but you 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 were fantastic because you said no I had to fight what you did was fight for yourself yeah that's and I what did I, that's what I heard and I did and it's you know I, and it was after that it's probably about a year maybe even two years after that I was listening to this amazing podcast um, Robert Holden is his name he's a Hay House author and he in it he said these words which always stuck with me if you feel there is something missing in your life Maybe that something is you. <laughs> I love it. And it yeah. just, it, and, and I was driving when I was listening to this and it jumped out at me and I went, that was me in my corporate life. Yeah. I was missing. Yeah. And I had to go on this, this trip. I call it the journey to becoming my own best friend. After I left corporate, when I became a life coach and then, you know, diversified and everything, but I had to find me. I can remember looking in the mirror going, I don't even like who you are. I don't like who you've become. But we developed these traits and these things. And I had so many men, well-meaning advice they gave me throughout the years. Don't act like that, Karen, if you want to get ahead. Don't do that. Don't talk this way. Don't do that. So you slowly, slowly, slowly lose who you are. And every single person I have worked with, um, no matter what loss event they have come to me for, loss of identity always comes up. Well, this is super interesting because more and more, we're all talking about the great resignation at the moment. Yeah. But I want to tip that upside down. Yeah. Is it really the great recontemplation? It could be re or the great realization. Yes, the great realization. Just because like we started, oh my God, I got shivers all over my body. I love it when that happened, the, the old God tick. <laughs> um, so it, it is a realization that, hey, am I living my best life? Am yeah. I loving what I'm doing? Am I loving the person I have become because of this role? Mm. Am I actually going home and kicking the dog and the wife and the kids because I am so stressed that I, I really cannot, I'm going to blow. 
I am yeah. going to blow. All for the and, money. For and, the and it's and it's for all these things that I don't even get joy about. You know, I got my 15 seconds of joy from them when we purchased them. And then it's okay, let's on to the next thing we're going to save and get. It's it's amazing how when you start to get rid of and declutter the stuff in your life, you have more room around you, you have more energy around you, and you can actually feel the earth and the and the world and you can start to feel who you are you can start to listen to your inner knowing and it's such a beautiful place to be the, the whole journey for anybody I mean that's why I like this notion of not just being but becoming because yes. th throughout the ages and it, we've got a, a few generations uh, and a few more to go we've got a few yeah. under our belt and a few more to go but that's the thing. Um, when I left um, my, my role uh, number three years ago, people said to me, what, what have they done to you? Why are you leaving? And I went, they haven't done anything to me. I've made a decision because I want to do more of what I love to do, not what I was seeing was taking over and there didn't seem to be any point. Yeah. We, you know, we, we were treading water. There was no, nothing going on. So I um, and now I have friends who look at me and go, you, you don't regret it, do you? And I go, absolutely not. I said, <laughs> you know, I said, things have definitely changed. And I said, I may not be, you know, going out here, there, everywhere, being, um, you know, having a massive bank account at this point in, in time. But I said, the bank account for my heart and my soul, I'm going to add my soul to that because yeah. that's that's me. Yeah. That, that, that's gaining interest daily. Oh. by the minute by the hour it would and be compounding unbelievably so. yeah yeah it's beautiful so karen tell us a little bit now about what you what the chaston center does yeah and for not just businesses but but it, and then how you work with individuals because yeah. i think that's i think we've got some listeners who are really interested in that. yeah so i work with both um individuals and businesses and I started working with individuals. And what happened was the more I deep dived into loss and the more I understood it, um, I started to go, oh, wow, imagine if I understood people the way I do now if when I was in my corporate life. Like how different would have I been? How different would have the whole workplace been you know as a senior manager in the organization it would have made such a difference to bring this understanding into the workplace which is why I developed the people and profits connection but mm. when I was working with individuals when I started to bring my programs together my my accounting um, traits kicked in so I always was got to find a better way, got to find a better way. There's an easier way. There's an easier way. Like we live in a world of infinite possibilities. So why is this way the only way to do something? Yeah. So I was always like find a better way, find a better way. Find a better way. So when I was putting together my gift of loss programs for my individuals, now I just want to clarify because a lot of people misunderstand the calling of the gift of loss. The gift is not in the loss. Okay, there was, there, there was very little gift on the day of finding Dan dead at our back door. There was mm -hmm. no gift, right? The gift comes after. The gift comes as you start to process the way you unravel it, the way you create your better everyday life. 
So mm. I just want that clarified. So if you are suffering at the moment, I am not saying your divorce is a gift. Down the road, it can be if you so choose it to be. Mm. And it can also be the worst day of your life if you so choose it to be. Mm. Um, and it's important to clarify that for, that for your listeners. So, so the, when I developed it, it was like, how could have it have been easier for me? And I literally developed my whole gift of loss program in the way, which is the opposite of the way I did it. <laughs> and, and the five-step process, the first step is to stop. Now, I didn't stop. I kept going and kept going for, you know, nearly two years. But the first step is to stop. And it's really interesting. Our last two years, what was the first step? Stop. Yep. Yeah. Second step is to accept. Mm -hmm. The third step is to identify and the identify and the accept come very much in together. Mm -hmm. You know, in acceptance, you start to realise that these hopes, dreams and aspirations are not going to be fulfilled the way you thought they were. For no matter what the loss, whether it was a person, place or thing, whatever yeah. the loss is, it's important that it, this works for no matter what loss it is. And then you get into the identify and you start to identify things that you'd like to apologise for, things you'd like to forgive, things you'd like to acknowledge. Because when you start to really look at everything about that, it's all about, wow, this is the better way that I can do it next time. Or, you know, not that I'm going to replace my son, but the better way in the relationship mm. with his siblings, with my husband, with my friends. I'm a completely different person in the way I am in my relationships. Um, I allow I allow people to be who they are. I, I don't try to change people. I, I was always arguing this, 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 telling people what to do and all that sort of stuff. I just allow, I accept, I love. And it's so much easier, not only on me, but on all of my relationships. And it really does create a more loving relationship. Um, and this is the gift. It's, it's the gift of who you become through doing this deep dive into you into your emotions and it's not easy I'm not going to say it's easy no. you know it's not but it's so worthwhile then the fourth step is to complete where you wrap every all of your findings into this beautiful complete stage where you actually write a letter you don't read it out you read it out loud not to the person you know well the person may be in this realm or not but it's just that completion stage which is absolutely beautiful oh. And then the fifth step is the pivot stage, and that's the fun stage. That's where you deep dive into all areas of your life. And the Chaston Centre, we have nine areas of life. I purposely wanted nine yep. because nine is all about rebirthing, you know, birthing a child, nine yeah. months. So it's all about rebirthing. And you look at all areas of your life and you go, right, this is where I am and this is where I want to be. What are the things I'm going to stop doing? What are the things I'm going to start doing? What are the things I'm going to continue doing? Or with the aim of closing that gap and closing that gap. So you become that person who, when you do leave this world, you have no regrets. Oh, Thank you for sharing that. One, two, three, four, five. I love, yeah. I love it. But I, what I like even more is the nine, your yes. nine areas. And it's funny yeah. you've just mentioned it because I've got a, a small tool that I've been using with our leadership programs, mm -hmm. and it's nine ways to being a human-centered leader. Beautiful. For twenty thirty. So it's looking forward. We're looking yes. forward to what can you? What will the world need? 
That is beautiful. Nine is such a powerful number. Yes. It's it's an end of a cycle. It's a rebirthing. It's, you know, it's wrapping everything up. It's really, really interesting. Like we have nine planets around us. It's really important. Uh, And the more you deep dive into numbers, and obviously that's the accountant coming out in me, the more that you actually realise that there's no coincidence in life. Your numbers are really important. And, and look, the, the great thing that I believe that's happened or the most fortunate thing for the world in the last 18 months or so yeah. is this time, is yes. the time to actually value and work out what is important and yes. to shed, shed the excess. Yep. Giving up what you're used to is, yep. is a big deal. So it's, yep. it's a change in itself. Um, it is. But I totally agree. Time is our most valuable asset. Yeah. And there's a little thing. It's, it's imagine each day that you had $86,400 into your bank account. You had to use it. At the end of the day, it's going to disappear. Whatever you don't use, it's not going to be able to be carried forward. What would you do with it? Oh. And then, exactly. But then we realise each day we are given 86,400 seconds. And what do we Beautiful. do with them? I love that. Is it seconds or minutes? I think it's, it's, I think it's seconds, <laughs> maybe minutes. But anyway, whatever it is. So each day we're given that, but we waste so many of it. We never can have it back. And it's really important for us to go, you're right. If I start to value my time and, you know, how often do you go, oh, my God, I've just wasted an hour speaking to that person. I want that tie back, you know, sort of thing. Or you just go, I just wasted time by watching this show, which was ridiculous. I kept waiting for it to get better and it never did. And you go, I want that time back. But, yeah, it really is starting to consciously be aware of how you're spending your time and thinking of it as dollars, like, you know, is, is, is this going to, re, you know, have a return on investment? Is this worth it? And sometimes the best way you can spend your time is to sit and do nothing. That's it. And exactly. the silence. And, and that is, people are telling that is you the best true. return on investment you can ever yeah. give to yourself. When you, when you said, you know, if, if, if you had $86,000 and you had to yeah. spend it in the day, I thought I was going to give you what I was going to do with it. I was so excited. I went, yeah. And, and what, what I've always said to people is I can't wait to win Lotto because there will be envelopes put under people's doors. Yes. So I re, I'm a bit like Dolly Levi in Hello, Dolly, when she's, you know, yep. it, money is meant to be used like money. I spread it around. And yes. give it out. So yes. I just think I would have the fun of cork, just handing it And it out. would be. It would be. But the, the funny thing is with Lotto, though, is because imagine if you won the $120 million that's up tonight. Oh. Just, just imagine. Um, what, you know, so many people, if you gave them a million, they'd be going, is that all? Yeah. Can I have more? Exactly. And you sort of go, oh, wait a minute. Yesterday you had didn't have this million and you still want more. What's going on here? So that's yeah, it can cause some problems. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's a silent, it's a silent ticket. You know, don't worry. It is. Anyway, it is diverging a little bit. But isn't it nice to dream? And isn't it nice that not that we both um know that the more you give, yeah, 
the more you will receive. And not that your intention is giving to receive, but you just know that we live in that world of reciprocity. Can't say that word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and it's it's just, that's it, yeah. And it's just so beautiful the way that you know that it will flow. And I think uh, a lot of people now are looking at uh, what's happened, say, the last last two years. Now, if I look at someone like my my mum, who's um, a depression, was a depression baby, basically, yep, yep. and has seen, um, you know, a number of wars, mm-hmm. depression, GFCs, um, yep. you, you name it. She's, there's been huge inroads in yep. technology and medical um, uh, assistance and um, all that sort of stuff. When I look at look back on those on those ninety years, um, changes around all the time. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually a given. It's one of the certainties that we hear, and the loss from various things. Um, and then I look at how people are still living in loss, especially mm-hmm. even during the pandemic. We've still had military coups. Um, Afghanistan, we've had yep. major natural disasters. Nothing else has stopped, really, but mm-hmm. we've had another a, a huge health issue that's affecting everybody. So this notion of loss is an interesting one because we talk about being able to self-manage our emotions. Yep. And you talked a little bit about the advice you got early in, in your career about don't show too many emotions because you're yeah. not going to get anywhere because you so I, I'm into this how do we how do we learn how to manage our emotions so that we don't block them we don't actually make ourselves even sicker or yeah. um, more unwell um, that we actually able to attend to them and work with them and be able to put some things in place like that beautiful five steps of yours right yeah. so a, t- a technique for that but loss is a big deal and we we don't give it enough attention, I don't think. We don't give it enough attention at all. And, and you know, I'm going to go to the men on this one. Just, just look at the men. Like they don't show your emotions, be tough, be, be the breadwinner, do this, and they carry it all inside. And, you know, we all sort of joke, you know, that women live longer than men, but women have an outlet. They have an outlet. They have their girlfriends. They will talk about things. Men don't. Men will talk about the footy and stuff like that, but but they don't have these heart-to-heart conversations. And it's really great to see that there are more and more um, little men's groups coming around, you know, like Alan Stevens, the fire. um, Campfire. Yeah, yeah, the campfire project. You know, there's another one, Mentoring Men. There's so many of them out there, which is really, really great. Because it's time for the men to be able to talk about it. Mm. And it's through talking about things that you get past the uncomfortable. Mm. You, you start to make it comfortable and you start to realise that every single one of us, no matter what we look like, no matter whether we're male or female or any nationality, whether we are living the high life or living the low life, We all have the same things going on in our life. Mm. We all have feelings. We all suffer, and many of us in silence, in isolation, which causes us to go into avoidance. We've created a world of avoidance. You know, food, alcohol, drug, shopping too much. You know, they call it retail therapy. Um, Working too much, being too busy, Netflix, social media, 
it's avoidance, 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 so that we we don't deep dive into these feelings because we feel we're the only ones that think this way, that mm. feel this way, that suffer this way. Everyone else is putting on this mask yeah. and rolling along in life so easily. I can remember, I love telling this story. I was in Australia Fair meeting with a lady back in, oh, it would have been early, probably about 16, 2016, something like that. And I was talking to this lady, it was a client, and we were just sitting there chatting and this lady came towards me and I looked at her and I thought, oh, my God. I have never seen a lady so well put together. She looked amazing. Everything coordinated, the way she strode, that she had her shoulders up. She just looked amazing. As she walked towards my table, I said to the lady, I was talking, excuse me for a second. And I said to the lady, excuse me. And she went, what? And I, <laughs> I went, oh, God, I'm overstepped. And I, anyway, I got all this courage inside of me and I went, I just wanted to say, how amazing you look you are so well put together you look amazing you I've, I've never seen anyone look so great as what you do and she took a breath and she looked down at me and she said I'm so sorry she said thank you for saying that I am having the worst day of my life and you've just made it a little better yeah. yep. and that is the world we look so perfect on the outside. We cover up the traumas that we're going through. And when anyone says, how are you? We go, okay. You know, my response when anyone ever asks me is I always go, I'm fabulous, thank you, because I choose to be. It's a choice. <laughs> Everything is a choice. But if I was down, I would say, I feel shit today because of yeah. this or whatever not too good today mm -hmm. yeah but it's really important for people to know that we all are the same on the oh, inside the, the the masks that we we put on yes are hindrances not they helpers are. in a lot of cases yeah. they're hindrance from us connecting properly with each other yeah. and we're community we are all community based and that's why the past couple of years being in isolation and not being in community and not being able to walk up and give someone a heart-to-heart -heart hug has not is not good for our bodies it's not good for society and it's so beautiful that when we know this and we understand this and we start to really ask people, no, how are you? I really want to know how are, how are you? you? Well, yeah. now I, I, when people ask me that, I go, thank you for asking. Yeah. I went, yeah, um, yeah. actually pretty good. I've had a couple of rough weeks or whatever or, you know, something yeah. else. But, um, you know, we've, we've, we're all getting in our family at the moment, getting excited for a wedding. So that's oh, happening lovely. In, in nine, in eight days. And um, it's so nothing we, better than a wedding. Yeah, but we still are a little bit, I think the edge is still there. How many will be there? Oh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but, and, and will it go ahead? But it's, it's <laughs> my poor son, my, my poor son, my oldest son, he, he planned to get married in April of 2020. That didn't happen. They had, they had a baby instead, which was good. <laughs> and they're planning for July this year. So fingers Onward. crossed. On they go. Let's, let's yeah. just keep rocking it. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. And, you know, I think um, for individuals, you know, there's no reason we have to be alone. 
No. Even, even if you don't know who it is that you're seeking help from or seeking assistance or being curious about what it is, um, yeah. I think if we are able, anyone who works in loss and grief, who works in, um, you know, the, the change that is happening all around us, and it's, it's, yeah. it's here, you know, here, and there are some very gutsy decisions being made. Um, others need a little bit of help just to to get you, you know, to actually take the first step. You know, it's not not easy, but I think uh, knowing that you're not alone, finding yeah. the right people, and Karen, you found the right people to work with, work alongside, yes. but to be part of your circle, and I think that's that's pretty important. Yeah. So if our if our listeners wanted to know a little bit more about how to contact you, yeah. What are we look, we're looking at a website and an email. We are. The website is thechastoncentre.com, Chaston, C-H-A-S-T-O-N, and Centre the Australian Way, C-E-N-T-R-E, um, dot com. And, you know, you can reach me through there or through my email, karen at karenchaston.com.au. But the beautiful thing about it is the more that we actually start to have these conversations, the more we start to understand people, no matter where they are, especially in an organisation. Mm. You know, just because you're the leader doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. You know, just because, you know, you're not going to, you know, escape loss. There's over 40 different loss events that will affect all of our lives. We're all going to have multiple major losses. But the more that we understand loss and deep dive into it, not only for ourselves, but for everyone else in our life, whether mm. it's our colleagues or our family or, you know, our employees or whoever it is, the more we understand this, the easier life becomes. And the, and the, when it's, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, it's not an easy thing, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And the beautiful thing is, is once you know how to move beyond one kind of loss, you have it for the rest of your life when loss comes to visit again and you more quickly get back into the love, that infinite journey of love and loss. You can recognise when things, when you're holistically, it's not going well. Your sleep goes off, your health, you you know, you, you, you exacerbated um, condition. Even people contacting you, especially mm-hmm. in loss, you, often you are left alone. There's an initial contact and then it starts. You'll get a couple away. of weeks. Yep, you'll get a couple of weeks if you're lucky, and then everyone's gone. Yeah. And it's and it's quite interesting how when people are gone, they they literally go because then you're too sad and we don't want to be around you and you're really hard to be around. I even saw a person walk across the street to avoid me about two weeks after Dan passed. And I was like, seriously? I'm not that bad, you know, sort of thing. But it was really interesting. Um, and it all comes back to what we said earlier is because they don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because they're not comfortable in loss. But when we all get comfortable in loss, then we won't be avoiding yeah. people. Yeah. And, you know, and then we'll be, it's, it's like, you know, it takes a village to, you know, raise a child. It takes a village for us all to heal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, um, I like to think of it as this loss is part of our wellness as well as, as humans. So our thinking skills, the way we think, what keeps going on in our head or how we can move those thoughts around, park them yep. sometimes, attend to them another times, um, yep. you know, our um, our social skills, the yep. way we exercise, the environment, totally. the things that we build into our day, 
all important for loss and grief as well. So yeah, nature. Nature is the best. Oh. Go and stick if if lucky enough to be near a beach. Go and stick your feet in the water, and you watch that stress just release from your body. Oh. Unbelievable, you know. And the the it's just so beautiful when you understand that loss is a pivotal moment. It's like God tipping tipping you on the shoulder, going, "Hey, time to get onto this path. You've been on here a little bit too long. Time to get on this path, and let's explore down there and become that person who you came here to be." Yeah, the new path, a new path. Yes, it is the new path. A new path, love it. Oh, well, listeners, I don't know about you, but I've had a lovely and a, a really robust conversation today. With I've enjoyed this conversation so much. <laughs> we, um, it's, uh, it always works. And listeners, what you can't see is a beautiful heart around Karen's neck that she wears. Lovely, lovely um, silver heart, red stone in it, and. Yeah. Um, I, I would imagine, and I'm going to assume here, that that is not far from your heart every day. It is not far from my heart. I never take it off. I very, well, I should say never. I very rarely take it off. Yeah. Um, I sleep in it. And it was it was something that I bought not long after I left corporate when I was, in, where I did my life coaching in a, in a company called Braveheart Women out of the States. And it was such a significant thing that I've actually put it into my logo I don't know if you should yeah, yes, in my logo yeah. but more importantly um, I bought it in Cancun I didn't even realize that it would be I would wear it forever and it become part of my logo but it's a red jasper um, and it's beautiful thank you yeah I was going to ask you lovely red jasper so listeners if you have enjoyed today Everyone who has a podcast loves a little bit of love. So if you've got some friends, colleagues, um, associates, you, part of your network who you think might enjoy this chat, um, listening to Karen and the amazing Chaston Centre and what, what she has been able to do in thriving in yeah. life and work under massive change, um, well, then make sure you give us some love. Your thriving matters. So does the thriving of those around you and it is with um, a great deal of heart-centered thanks that uh, I thank you Karen for being with us today and helping us put together or bring together this notion that our thriving no matter what happens to us is super important so many thank thanks you. thank you I've so loved our chat bye bye for now I'm Carrie Benedette this is my podcast, Thriving Matters. 